Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. All right, well, Sabbath. We are kicking off a month of Sabbath. And uh, this is something we've never done as a church. It's, um, you know, it has been uh, something in the last 16 months is there were, there were certain things we discovered about ourselves. When we're, you're forced to take a break, and you realize you're not very good at taking breaks. When you realize that drivenness is a way of life, but it's also drivenness is a way of the soul. And uh, I think in, in uh, learning in the last year, um, when it comes to Sabbath, I didn't even know what it was. It was, it was something that, uh, it, you know, you, you, you hear the term. If you grew up in the church world, you've hear, heard the term Sabbath, and that's for those religious legalistic people. Just like not murderings for those religious legalistic pe- people. Why are we doing Sabbath? Why are, we, why are we taking a month and really focusing on something? And Monica had a great illustration. You know, in the summer, I used to go, I used to, go to basketball camps in the summer. Have any, who has been to a sports camp at some point in their life? I love sports camp. It is, it is just, uh, I would go to two or three sometimes in a summer. And I would have gone the whole summer long to sports camp if I could have figured out a way to do it. But the, uh, you know what happens is when you get in that intensive atmosphere, there's, you just get better at it. You just, like when you show up for practice once a week, it's, you, you, you learn a little bit. But when you go to a month of basketball camp, or you go to two or three weeks of basketball, or football, or hockey, or whatever your sport of choice. Maybe you went to knitting camp or quilting camp. But when you when you do that for in, in an intensive atmosphere, you, you actually learn skills that you that you didn't learn before, or you weren't weren't as good at before. You learn strategies. You get taught how the game works in a certain way that you just don't learn. Um, in that once a week type of atmosphere. And so what we're doing is we're doing intensive training for the month of July when it comes to learning how to Sabbath. And what's interesting is Sabbath is actually called a practice. It is just like you practice your sport, well you need to practice your rest. There's there's things we need to learn. I discovered I'm not very good at it. I discovered I'm easily distracted. Why are we doing this? Well, you know, civilization teaches us to accumulate, but it doesn't teach us how to be content. It teaches us we're good at striving, but we're not, oftentimes we're not good at resting. And, or more specifically, we're not always good at resting in a way that renews our soul or renews our spirit. And uh, there's a story, I read this, uh, I read this over a year ago, uh, but I, it's, it resonated with me so much when I read, it was one author talking about Sabbath and learning how to Sabbath, and he said this, I was, I was in a meeting with our church's financial board, sitting, and sitting there, it dawned on me that if I were to cheat on my wife, I would lose my job. 
probably should lose your job. <clears throat> if I stole from the church, I would be run out of town. If I lied about the church finances, I would be in trouble. If I worshipped another god, I would be removed. There's nine commandments that if I chose to break, I most likely would lose my ministry over. But if I did not keep a Sabbath day, I would most likely get a raise. We have forgotten there are ten commandments. And for the person who says that we no longer need to rest, I would be curious, which of the other nine do you think are irrelevant as well? <clears throat> Is the commandment against murder to be done away with? Is it okay to lie now? Is adultery okay? Is stealing okay? See, we've taken one commandment, and we basically turned it into a suggestion. It's the one commandment I can break and be applauded for doing so. It's a great statement. What's funny is, at first glance, you would think this would actually be the easiest of all the Ten Commandments to keep. Hey, you, make sure you take a day off and rest in your week. You cannot make me do that. That is legalism. And it's interesting because the practice of Sabbath is actually the very first practice we find in all of Scripture. The, the setting aside of a holy day. And so what we discover, what I've discovered is I'm not all that good at Sabbath. I actually need to practice it quite a bit. I find every week it's easy to get distracted. It's, I find it interesting, the author of Hebrews, when he talks about entering into rest, he says, or she says, we're not sure which way, um, but he, the author says, labor to enter into his rest. Work hard, it's, it's almost like, this is a paradox, it's like, work hard to rest. But when you rest, you realize real quality rest in your life is actually work. Like when you have a day off and you just say, I'm just going to do nothing. I'm just going to, I'm just going to sit around. I'm just, at the end of that day, you're typically not rested. You typically wander aimlessly through. But when you plan your rest well, then you end up refreshing. Why Sabbath? Now, Jesus himself, he said this, Mark 2 and verse 27. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, Sabbath was to serve you. You weren't created for a, like this legalistic observation. Sabbath was, is actually a gift to us. As Moses calls it. it. It is God's gift to you. It's for you. It's for your soul. It's for your life. It's to, it's to keep you healthy. And it's the, it's the first thing. Adam, before he even does a day of work on the planet, he takes a day of rest with God. Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift to remind us that we were not created to do, but we were actually created to be. 
We were created to be first. We are not human doings. We're human beings. We're created. We are created for relationship. We're created for connection. We're created for connection with our creator. Not just to do things for our creator, but to actually be connected and have relationship. And the, the, the commandment and the Ten Commandments, the commandment for Sabbath is actually the longest of all the Ten Commandments. It actually is almost equal in length to all the other nine combined. It, is, it takes up this massive chunk of real estate. And it's, it's, just to, it's just to be clear to us that this is important. You know, when it, came, when it comes to not murdering, it's just don't kill. But when it comes to Sabbath, it's just like, you're not going to work, your dog's not going to work, your donkey's not going to work, your servant's not going to work, your grocery checker's not going to work, the waitress is not going to work. Don't call the cable company on that day. Like, it's just, it is so clear that Sabbath is for everyone. And so, the other six days of the week, they were created for space. They were creation. It was the mountains and the trees and the, and the chickens and the, and the whales and everything that was created that we see and observe and occupy. But the seventh day was not created for space. The seventh day was created for time. And it's, it was created as time that set apart. It was, it was a time that God made holy. And you don't create Sabbath, all you can do is show up for it. All you can do is choose to either arrive at it or ignore it. Because it's coming. God has not, it's, it's never stopped. It's just whether or not we show up for it or not. The, the Sabbath was created for us to occupy, to enter into. You know, holiness, uh, holiness of space holiness of creation, holiness of nature. We know that uh, it's kind of like every religion in the world has that in common. But Sabbath is holiness of time. It's a holiness of time that we enter into. It's a book by Adam Herschel called Sabbath. And he writes this. It's a great statement. He says this, the greatest cathedral is not is not built in space, but it's actually built in time. The greatest sanctuary will be in a dwelling of time, and God inhabits this space of time. See, we don't perform Sabbath. We enter into Sabbath. We learn to enter into it. It's not, it's not a task to be carried out, but it's a space to occupy in our, or a place to occupy in our lives. It's choosing to enter into rhythms of being, of worshiping, of celebrating, of connection. This is what Sabbath, this is what Sabbath is. And God, God cre invites us to join in this rhythm with him, this, this interplay of work and rest. And when we don't accept this invitation to enter into rest, we suffer the consequences. Fatigue, burnout, anxiety, depression. You, you, can't, you can't tell me there's not a connection between the North American work ethic and, the, ra the, and the, the, raise, the rise in the rates, <laughs> rise in the rates of anxiety and stress and depression and burnout. These, 
as we work more and more and more and busy our lives more and more and more, it's taking a toll on our souls. It's taking a toll on our inner man. We need to learn the rhythms of rest. We need to learn the rhythms of rest the way our creator designed us to rest. Anger, tension, confusion, emptiness, these are all signs of a life that's missing true rest. And this is undoubtedly the reason that Sabbath had to be added to the Big Ten. <laughs> because he knew, God knew, these people will ignore this and they'll just busy their lives up and then they'll be burnt out. And so I'm going to put it in the, in the bullet point, you know, the Coles Notes section of the scripture. I'm going to stick it there. So if they can only read Ten Commandments, they're going to get it. I'm not going to bury it in Second Chronicles somewhere. The <laughs> Leviticus, the, the end that nobody reads, where it gets into the genealogies and starts listing name after name after name. It's like, no, that's, those are great in devotion time because you just kind of skip it. It's like, I read 10 chapters today. Well, I actually flipped 10 pages, but don't act like you don't do it. I always laugh, and so it's just, I just read those names and just asked God to speak to me, and I know, I know exactly what he spoke to you. It's like, turn the page, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is not in my notes, but it just happens to me from time to time. <laughs> Moses called Sabbath a gift, and it's, he, he actually called it a gift that fills our souls back up with life. And we find this after, in Genesis, we find after God finished creation, we read this, God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And there's two, two words in here, blessed and holy. And that word blessed in the, in the Hebrew is the, the word Barak. And just like the president, Barak. And it's a Barak or a blessing was, it was a blessing in, in creation. It was a life giving ability to procreate. It was a blessing that just creates life. It's a blessing. So God, he, he, he blessed a day. And there's, we, we actually find he, he blessed or baracked three times in this, in this account of Genesis. First, he blessed the living creatures, the animal kingdom, and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Be, be blessed, fill the earth. Then he blessed Humanity, and he said exactly the same thing, be fruitful and multiply, increase in numbers, fill the earth. And then he blessed a day. He blessed a time. And it was a time where fruitfulness and productivity is actually, is actually instilled into our lives, where, where, there, where it, it has a life-giving quality to it. It's time that has a life-giving quality added to it. And then the, the second thing, it says that God is blessed, and it says he's holy. And that, that word for holy is uh, kadosh, and it, it's the first time in all of Scripture that we find this word holy. And it wasn't for a place. The first thing we find in all of Scripture that's made holy is a time. 
this day of rest. It says he blessed it and made it holy. It's set apart. And it's the, the, the first, I, w- I would submit that the first way that we experience God's holiness in our lives is actually in time. It's in setting aside a time for him to work and to speak and to pour life into our souls. And in fact, I would, I would argue that all relationship is blessed in time. Just try and maintain friendships without time. Try and maintain a marriage without time. Try and raise children, but not give them time. Holiness is experienced in time. Life is poured out in time. And it's where we experience the greatest things that we'll experience from God will not be things, but they'll be through time that is set apart and holy for him that he can work and act and speak into our lives. Uh, many Jewish, this is another, another point out of this uh, book, Sabbath. He makes a statement, many Jewish t- teachers encourage us to th- not think of Sabbath as an event, but as a person. Think of Sabbath as a person, specifically a bride to be married. And prepare yourself for that day of the week as if every day is the ceremony and that first night of your marriage. You prepare for that, don't you? Some of you remember what that, that wedding day slash night. You prepared yourself for that moment. You took a shower. You maybe used some soap even. Cleaned yourself up. There was some preparation. Prepare yourself. Get your, you got your meals planned. You planned your time through the day together with friends, with family. There was, there was intentionality that went into that day. Well, this is, what, this is how, how they, they compare the Sabbath or this, this time of holy rest is prepare yourself because God's going to arrive. You imagine now on a wedding night, some guy's just sitting there on the, on the bed, just, just texting my bros. And the, you just imagine the bride. You're texting your bros. Dude, I have a holy experience waiting for you right now. Take that profane device from my sight. And yet it's a holy experience. You know how you know it's a holy experience? It's coming. You know how you know it's a holy experience? Because the whole time they're both crying, oh God, oh God, oh God. It is a holy experience. (laughs) It is a holy experience. Sabbath is a holy experience. 
It's a day to delight in. It's a del- Maybe we don't experience the rest of Sabbath because we've just treated it like, oh, whatever, it's there if I need it. Well, how does that work with your wife? How does that work with our kids? How does that work with our friendships? Sabbath is to be a day that is holy and set apart. It's, it's, setting, it's, it's delighting in a life that you've carved out in partnership with God. It's delighting in the world around you, and it's delighting in your friendships, your relationships, your family, and, and in delighting in God himself. It's a day to pull up a chair, sink into it, and look back over the last six days and enjoy it. The word, the word Sabbath comes from the, the Greek word Shabbat, which literally means stop, cease. But it also means be complete and celebrate. Stop working, stop striving, and delight in what you have. And this is so missing from our culture today. Stop, enjoy, and delight. Create space in the time of our lives for, for the things that only time can cultivate. You know, of all the commandments, there's only one commandment in the Bible repeated twice. It's not Sabbath. It's actually, thou shalt not covet. And Sabbath, it, it's a day to displace the coveting of things in space to covet the space of time. To covet the room that time brings to our lives. Exodus chapter 20, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember it by keeping it holy, set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your male or female servant or your animals or any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And I think this just as all of this is being said, you know, if God could do all of this in six days and then could take a break, so can you. If God can do it, you can do it. If he can do all of what we see and enjoy. So next, over the next four Sundays, we're going to be looking at four areas on how Sabbath affects us. And it's going to be Sabbath for us, Sabbath for others, Sabbath for creation, and Sabbath for worship. And just, just understanding the depth of, of what this, of, of the depth of this, of this rest, this, this holiness of time, and the effect that it can have in our lives. And there's, you're going you're gonna to hopefully learn some really good things over the next four weeks. But today I want to talk about the spiritual practice. So we could, this is something we do regularly, is talk about spiritual practices. I want to talk about the spiritual practice of saying no. The spiritual practice of saying no. See, I think we miss rest because we don't know how to say no. Because we don't know how to, sometimes we don't know how to do no. We don't, know how to, we don't know how to take and protect that space or protect that rest in a way that, that keeps it holy. We do not learn how to establish our lives with intention 
and healthy boundaries. We allow work and projects and activities to spill over into all areas of our life. And while technology is great, unfortunately, technology never takes a break. And so some, something that became, something that at one time, in many instances, it, technology served us, but in many ways, it also seeks to enslave us if we don't know how to say no, or if we don't know how to limit its, its effect. But th- this, th- this, this happens in lots of areas. This can happen with work. This can happen with, this can happen with fun. This, things that just spill over into this, this time of rest. So we need to learn how to say no. Everything we say no to is saying yes to something else, and everything we say yes to is saying no to something else. So we be careful. Learn to say no to technology in certain parts of your life, and and you know there's 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 a great little thing you can do is you can you can hit your mute switch, you can set it in another room. I, I guarantee you, the world will not collapse in the time that it's sitting in the other room. I remember when I remember when you know you got your messages at the end of the day and then you returned all your calls at like you know five o'clock when you got or four thirty when you got your messages and and you actually worked during the day and didn't just like get stuck with messages all the time learn to say no social media spills into our peace it spills its anxiety it spills its distractions and and it's just the the issue of the day, like there just comes a point where you get, you realize there will always be something that people are enraged about on social media. Every day, someone will be enraged. Well, are you going to let, are you going to let something else be what controls the atmosphere of your life? Are you like, are, are we looking to social media to see, how do I feel about things today? Sometimes learning to say no will protect the peace in your own life. We need to, the skill of saying no if we want to protect the holiness of time. No is the language of intention. It comes from self-awareness, from self-restraint, and self-knowledge. No creates healthy boundaries in our life. You know, when you see the, the child, this is our, our grandson is now at the age where he's starting to move around the room quickly. And I notice he likes things that are plugged in and have lights on them. <laughs> <laughs> and one of, the, one of the first things is just like, no. And what is it? Is that because, no, I don't want you to experience the blessing of a 110 volt shock <laughs> in your system. It's a healthy boundary. It's teaching a healthy boundary. We, we need to learn because there's a lot of things that if we just wander around grabbing everything that's around us, we're going to get shocked a lot. Jesus said no consistently in his ministry. He would not allow the expectations and pressures from others to dictate how he spent his time. He, he moved with intention. He moved with purpose. 
Saying yes to God's rest means you will have to say no to something else. You will have to say no to something else. You can't have it all. You can't have everything. In the Jewish community, they, they, have, they, have, a word for the, they have a word for this. The, the things, um, things that tempt us to lose the spirit of rest, there's actually, it's called, it's called uh, muxta. I like those. It's actually a good sounding word, muxta. It's just, and it's things that would interrupt your rest. And it's, they tempt us to lose uh, the, the spirit of rest and we have to learn how to set it aside. Things that are muxta, things that it's just like, I have to learn to not let that invade my life. The muxta. It's the temptation to answer that text or the temptation to go check your emails when it's supposed to be a day of rest where you're going to check your work email. It's like, there's nothing that cannot wait till tomorrow. Unless you're maybe a doctor and you actually do need to. Maybe that can't wait. But what, what's the muxta in your life? What are the things that are constantly bombarding for your attention, trying to get your attention, trying to get your, to get you out of that place of rest, back into a place of drivenness, or back into a place of doing instead of being? Muxta, the temptation to go, go into the office because it's quiet that day and nobody will interrupt you, but that's your day of rest. Sabbath is stopping and it's delighting and allowing us to experience restoration in our bodies, our souls, and in our relationships. It's saying no to the need to control everything, to realize that our own efforts can only take us so far no matter what we do. And, it, and part of it, it is actually an act of faith that God, I recognize that there's only things that you can do. And there's things that only you can do, no matter how hard I try, I still can't take the role of God in my life. It's an act of trust. And it's a weekly reminder, just like that wedding night, it's a weekly reminder that God wants to be with us and, and that intimacy is important to him. That he wants us not just to connect with him, but he wants us connected to one another. He wants us in relationship with one another. So this week, I got an assignment, should you choose to accept it. It's to prepare yourself for Sabbath like it's an event that's important. Like it's an event that matters like it's a wedding night. And you might find that as you start preparing for it, like it's a serious, holy event, you may find yourself experiencing Sabbath in a, in a way that's different than what you expected, that it actually becomes something very significant. Let's stand to our feet. And I want to just pray. I want to pray for us in the room. I want to pray for those watching online right now that in this next 
four weeks, we would learn what true rest is. That not just the, the rest of taking a day off or, or just going on a holiday, but the rest that comes from having our souls renewed, having our souls transformed in God's presence. And if you want to just put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, would you teach me how to rest, how to be replenished in your presence? Teach me what Sabbath is. Teach me how to Sabbath better. I want to set aside time that's holy, that you can occupy, and I can occupy it with you. Would you teach me, Lord, what it means to live in this place of holy time? And would you renew my heart and my spirit in this week's ahead? In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And I want to pray one more prayer. Maybe you're watching online right now, or maybe you're here in the room and you've, you've never actually said yes to Jesus or said yes to a relationship with him or following him. I want, to, I want to give you that opportunity today to just say, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to, I want to learn your ways for my life, and I want to say yes to your plan and your purpose. And uh, if you want to be included in that prayer, we're going to pray this as a church here. And if you want to be included, you can just pray along with us. Let's pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. I want to follow you. I want to follow your ways for my life. I give my life to you. I trust you. And I look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.